0: That's heritageradionetwork.org/15 to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by the Academy Opus Cassius, the cheese industry's unique center for professional development. For more information and to apply for courses, visit our website at www.academymons.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E hyphen M-O-N-S dot com.
2: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
3: Hello, this is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd. I'm sitting here with Lou DiPaolo, owner of DiPaolo's in Little Italy, and author of the very fascinating book, DiPaolo's Guide to the Essential Foods of Italy. Welcome, Lou.
4: Well, it's great to be here, Diane. I'm really excited. It's so nice to have
3: a returning author on my show. We're just uh, catching up and... uh, We may discuss the book and may not. It was out in, I think, 2014.
4: That's right. That's right. It's still doing well. People are really coming around. I'm getting letters all the time about people picking the book up. And saying how much the book means to them. Because, yeah. You know, the book is so much more than just a book on food and cheese and, mm-hmm. and Italian culture. It's about how food brings people together. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I'm getting most of my response from people, mm-hmm. saying how it invokes memory for them. Mm-hmm.
3: I think what uh, the food traveler would be looking at in the book is that you uh, highlight the best of your um, producers in Italy, and you talk about them, and you go visit them, and whether it's salt or vinegar or cheese, it's all there.
4: Well, you see, uh, we're a family business, over Mm -hmm. 100 years, going Mm -hmm. back to my great-grandfather. And the book is based on families. Mm -hmm. All the people that Mm -hmm. I deal with are families. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of them are, are large producers, but many of them are small producers that start from the farm. All the way to the manufacturing of the product mm-hmm. and and that 's basically what I'm interested in, bringing the mm-hmm. stories of the families to uh, to the American consumer to mm-hmm. understand that the foods of Italy, the traditions behind them go back and and uh, i'm able to give that opportunity to the American consumer to experience mm-hmm. it.
3: Mm-hmm. And to then go meet the people who are actually making the food and get to know them on a level, too.
4: I break bread with them. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. learn about them, their families. Mm-hmm. Their, I meet their grandparents, their their children, mm-hmm. and, and see their passion and try to absorb some of their passion so I could give that passion and translate it to the, to uh, selling the product. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Now, I find when I'm selling cheese, if I like the cheesemaker, I like the cheese and want to sell the cheese. Do you sometimes get a little confused if you really like someone?
4: Uh, I'm not, <laughs> you know, if I, if I really like someone and they produce really good product. <laughs> yes. Okay. I don't get confused, but I, but I am I'm happy to sell their product.
3: Okay. Okay. Now, do you have plans? My first question is, do you have plans for another book? Will you be coming on the show mm. a third time with another book?
4: Well, uh, presently, presently, the book is in my head, so okay. to speak. <laughs> uh, you know, if you understand the book that I have written, it started off at the turn of the last century with my great-grandfather mm-hmm. settling here in in New York City's Little Italy. Mm-hmm. And it all went all the way to World War II. And then from World War II, it jumped into Italy and my travels to Italy. The mm-hmm. entire time mm-hmm. of me growing up at Di Palo's, my sister Marie, my brother Sal, working together with our parents. And it's not in the book. Oh, you it's skipped not, that part. I skipped that part and went right to Italy. Okay. So there is, there is a, a big story that's behind... The growing up at Nipalos, mm-hmm. as well as what took place in the community, mm-hmm. in the last fifty years, right? And that and that needs to be told mm-hmm. through food, right? Of course, through food and through many of, of the products. Many of the products that I, unfortunately, wasn't able to fit into the first book.
3: Oh, well, I figured there were more products. Oh, so There much have more. to so, be more so products because there are more
4: products than the store. <laughs> so much more that I'd like to really give the knowledge mm-hmm. to the people. Now,
3: um, do you discover new producers
4: all the time on your trips? I'm always looking for what is old in Italy. What I mean by that is the traditions of Italian food mm-hmm. are so widespread Certain types of pastas, certain types of, uh, of uh, uh, cheese, these are uh, historical products that haven't really been discovered yet in mm-hmm. the United States. I've al- I'm always looking. In the 20 regions of Italy, there's such, so many stories behind so many food items, mm-hmm. and that needs to be told, and I'm always looking for them.
3: Okay, so you have new producers, but they're probably
4: old. I guess you could they're say new, it,
3: they're new to the, the, us, or the, new to you, but they might be old to Italy.
4: Uh, uh, traditional to Italy, right? Yes, right, right. yes, absolutely.
3: Um, now, do you ever cross people off? Do you ever have fights, or their standards go I, south, or?
4: Well, uh, I wouldn't say I have fights. Okay, <laughs> um, I look at it as always having uh, friends. Mm-hmm. And associates in this particular business, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is, my, my friends, of course, are people that uh, I've come to really uh, know and respect, and enjoy the products that they produce, and some mm-hmm. associates that I that I'm still seeking, learning mm-hmm. from them. And and um, do I cross people off? Not, not really. I might Mm -hmm. not. I might find an alternative, Mm -hmm. something a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I I don't really discard Mm -hmm. uh, people that I've had a relationship with in the past.
3: Okay. Okay. So you might have something that's new for now, but not give up the old completely. Absolutely. It's it's always
4: an expanding uh, venture for me.
3: Okay. Now, how many trips a year do you do, and how long are
4: they? Uh, the last trip I did was in October. It was okay. at the end of September into October. It was a very long trip for me. It was 19 days. Mm-hmm. I can travel to Italy for as little as three or four days, mm-hmm. and very rarely will I stay a 19-day trip. Okay. You know, it's because... Um, Who I've, comes with you? Well, um, I've been taking on many occasions my, uh, my daughter, Caitlin. Mm-hmm. She's been traveling with me a lot. Uh, she's a very good assistant. Mm-hmm. My son my son sam he spends a lot of time in italy mm-hmm. i i go less frequently than i did in the past mm-hmm. because i rely a lot on on uh, my son sam he studied in italy for 4 years he's got mm-hmm. a good command of the language mm-hmm. he's got a lot of respect for the for the uh the traditions of mm-hmm. food and understanding of both food and wine mm-hmm. So, so
3: he went to school there.
4: Yes, he was in school in Piemonte. He he went to the. Did Euro- he go to Bra? Yes, he was. Oh. At, he was at the first class at the University of Gastronomic Science. Oh. And uh, it changed his life. Huh. He He became. Oh, I can imagine. Oh, it, it changed his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. Uh, especially being in the first class,
3: must have been very exciting. And, and very special. Yeah. Very special. Yeah. The, uh, uh, let's explain to the listeners. Uh, it's, in, ch- in case they don't know, though most cheese listeners know about Bra. It's the Slow Food University, basically. Is, that's right. And that's right. Um, it's near Piemonte?
4: It is in Piemonte, the okay. town of Bra, but it's actually located in Polenza, right, which right. is about two kilometers from the city of Bra. Right. And it's in a in Old, uh, would you call it a castle or old uh, uh, an estate? Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's an amazing experience for anyone that's really uh, interested in, in, food, in food, food culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, again, with the importance of bringing food bringing people together and working right. together. And old
3: food and slow food and food from a historical perspective.
4: That's true right yeah. absolutely
3: so were, are the classes taught in italian
4: uh the the classes are taught in italian if the instructor is italian but mm-hmm. if the if the instructor is uh, not an italian it's mm-hmm. usually done in english okay at least it was at the at the time when sam went to the uh, uh-huh. university and
3: is it a university or is it a graduate program what had they he have, already been to have, college
4: yes you but, you need in you needed a two year um uh, College mm-hmm. degree, an associate's degree to go, and then you see in Italy, uh, the universities start after five years of say high school. Okay. Uh, so you needed an additional uh, couple of years in in, uh, in at least an associate's degree, mm-hmm. and then you would get your university degree from from the Polenza school. The school the school is um, you know limited to the amount of uh, students that they take, mm-hmm. but they have to be more dedicated into the field of, of food and mm-hmm. food culture. Right. You know, I, it really served Sam well.
3: Uh-huh. Now, did he know
4: Italian before he got there? Had he studied Sam, it? Sam knew absolutely no Italian. <laughs> he went Somehow
3: there. I'm not surprised to hear he, you say he that.
4: Was, he was lost. He <laughs> was lost for, for six months. And as he said, he went to sleep one night started to dream in Italian, woke up and spoke Italian. For oh him.
3: my goodness.
4: And he has no At ac- least
3: he was young because you right. know then it, your brain works better. It, you
4: know, <laughs> it, it's just amazing. He has no accent. Do you speak Italian? I speak what we call Italo-American. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and I- do you
3: speak it at home? Does your wife no, speak m- it? No, okay. no.
4: No, my my grandchildren speak Italian. Okay. And my grands they actually speak eloquent italian i mean they go to the, <laughs> they go to the italian school and they and they're uh-huh. very and they're very much into the italian culture even though they live live here in new york city uh-huh. their father is uh very italian i uh-huh. mean born in italy, from uh, italy from italy uh-huh. and uh is in the italian in the food industry the italian food industry uh-huh. and he um i'll never forget <laughs> i forget when i never forget when my uh, grandson Ferdinando was born and uh, my uh, son-in-law's father came over and said, uh, this boy better speak Italian, otherwise I will never speak to him. From, <laughs> from that moment on, his son only spoke Italian to, him, to Ferdinando. And he speaks literally what they call eloquent Italian. Oh,
3: that's nice. Yeah,
4: it's, uh, it, it's nice. They're nice mm-hmm. to have that dual mm-hmm. uh, language. Mm-hmm. And uh, it serves, again, something that's so important in our business Mm-hmm. be able to communicate in the same language with the people that right. you're doing business especially
3: with. especially if you're in the smaller towns, sure. you're not running into people and who that, speak English. That was English. the
4: success of Sam learning Italian because he was in a town in Polenza Bra where... Most mm-hmm. people did not speak English. Right, so right. It was forced. I've
3: only been there during the cheese festival, and yes. then it's overrun with Americans and Brits and everybody. Sure. So everybody's speaking English. That's right. Uh, but it's a small, it's a small place. I can imagine there's it's, not that much English on a normal day. That's true. <laughs> okay, so let's see. When you go to Italy, is it all work or is it? Some relaxing vacation.
4: Let's see. I must have made 70 or 80 trips uh. to Italy. <laughs> and I have never been there on vacation. Never? Never. Why I've, even, not? Even, even on my honeymoon. Where did you go on your honeymoon? Well, on my honeymoon, I started off and in, flew into Sicily. Uh-huh. And crisscrossed the country up until we reached uh, uh, Lombardia. And it was all business? It wasn't. It was honeymoon. <laughs> But you know, I would get Connie up, my wife, mm-hmm. up early in the morning, and I'd say, Come <laughs> to on, go we go, eat "We're something. going to this cheese factory. or We're going to this prosciutto factory <laughs> today," and then we'll go over here. But I mixed it in with you know, going to Ischia and going mm-hmm. to uh, Terramina and all, so uh, Lake Como. So I mixed it in, but. <laughs> There was business involved and okay. this was at a very young age and and uh, something I mentioned actually in my book. okay, and she's not too keen on going to Italy, believe it or not. Well,
3: maybe because she was on a business trip, I, not a real honeymoon. I,
4: I think you might be right.
3: <laughs> Where does she want to go for a vacation? Well, she an
4: island? Yes, she likes the she likes <laughs> the BVI, the British Virgin. okay, Island's so she in, wants you know?
3: to totally relax. Yeah
4: sit by the poolside, maybe with a cocktail in your hand. Right, and not, and think not about,
3: have you not
4: think about cheese.
3: Dragging her off to a, a cheese exactly. uh, place.
4: <laughs> one time, one time, I'll never forget, I took her to a factory where they make uh, Grana Padano cheese. And, uh, you know, Grana Padano is one of the most historic cheeses of mm-hmm. Italy. It goes back over a thousand years. It's a uh, for, in fact, it changed the name of cheese in, in the Italian language. You know, a lot of people say, "What's the? How do you say cheese in Italian?" And we say "formaggio." Uh-huh. But if you go back to the ancient Romans, uh, the word for cheese was cassius ah, and, right. and and the word uh, that came out of the old Italian language was cascio, C-A-C-I-O, cascio. Uh In fact, we still use that primarily in southern Italy, cascio cavallo. Mm -hmm. But these monks came down, they came down from France and from Switzerland, and they started to make a cheese and put it into a form. Mm. And from the French word fromage, they put it it became known as formaggio. Ah. So a thousand years ah. ago, they started to use the, the, the term for cheese uh-huh. as formaggio from Grana Influenced. Panana. Influenced yeah, by? Yes. Yeah, by that particular cheese. Yes. Interesting. You know, it, it, it is interesting. All these little stories mm-hmm. that you hear, some of them are fact, some of them are fable. They're uh-huh. fantastic mm-hmm. in either case. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it doesn't matter almost whether they're fact right. or fable. Um, okay, so have you
4: been to bra? Have you been to the cheese oh, festival? oh yes, absolutely okay. you know, in fact
3: do you have to go every no, two years no, no. I,
4: you want truthfully yeah. truthfully I, I i try to unless i 'm working for um, a-, a producer or you know to explain you know another uh, a, a consortium. I don't really right. work for producers. I right. work for a consortium that asks me to speak on their behalf. So you to might explain. have meetings.
3: You might right. be be doing
4: a class I don't, or something. I don't usually go to food shows.
3: Okay, I was going to ask and, yes.
4: And the reason why is that uh, I have a certain direction where I want to go and what I want to do, and I need to go to meet the farmer, meet the producer, mm-hmm. meet the the people on a direct basis, and and naturally when you go to the these food shows you get some good ideas you'll see a lot of different products but it's, but it's all to, the business people yeah and 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 there's really no time to talk to people uh-huh. you know they're very busy with a lot of people trying to learn about some of the products that i already know about right. and 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 to take their time away from new people it, it doesn't serve me any purpose doesn't serve most of the people uh, that, that I, you're meeting that i meet uh-huh. uh, any purpose so i avoid those shows but however the reason Sam went to the school, is because on one of the uh, trips to Bra, uh-huh, that cheese, you were taking, cheese, right? And there was um, <coughs> a young girl in one booth, and she um, said, "We are planning to open a school." Ah, and, and he Sam was came there. To me and he was in he was in uh, you know school here in um, in New York, and he wasn't really that enthused, right? So he came over to me, said, "Dad, there's gonna, they're going to have a school here. I'd like to go." Ah. And um, I was like, I said, well, if you want to go, well, fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and it really changed. It changed uh-huh. his whole life. Well,
3: you were probably happy about it, going I, to school to study food in Italy.
4: Truthfully, I was jealous. <laughs> I wish I had that opportunity. <laughs> Instead of right. going, I went to a business school. I went to City University. I got uh-huh. my degree in, in business. And uh, <laughs> Right,
3: that must have been pretty dry comparatively.
4: Accounting and law <laughs> right. and... And uh, marketing right, and management, right. it actually served me well. Right, but, right. But, but it would have been boring. much more
3: fun going to bra. It was boring. <laughs> You're right. Oh, that's great. So he found a, a great situation for himself. Absolutely. So now does he live here or does he live there? And what's he doing
4: for the company? He he lives both. I mean, uh, we have our place in Spoleto, Umbria. Mm-hmm. and uh, Oh, you have a house? Well, it's... Uh, it, I have the top of a tower. Okay. Okay. Oh, a 12th, nice. cen- 12th century tower. I have a fantastic Is, view. Does Rapunzel live there? <laughs> Rapunzel doesn't <laughs> live there, but I'm, I'm I'm telling you, it's it's a beautiful view. The only thing I was there recently in October, and uh, during one of the uh, the major tremors, oh. it wasn't a nice feeling at all. Oh, because you're on the how top. many stories? Well, it's uh, about 100 and some odd steps up. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I got the highest point, so, you know, I got the view. No elevator? No, it's 12th century. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So he loves it, and Uh he spends a lot of time there, Uh uh, much more than me. I usually spend my time there paying bills, and then I get out of there, you know. Uh But uh, it's it's really center of Italy, Uh and we travel from north to south. And it's a good, what I call, resting place in between, and uh-huh. and uh, we have a lot of friends in Umbria, mm-hmm. and we do a lot of business in Umbria, so mm-hmm. so it's just a good part of Italy for us.
3: Mm-hmm. Now, what what products do you get from Umbria?
4: Well, Umbria, we do a lot with wine, mm-hmm. and we do a lot with olive oil mm-hmm. and legumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Umbria Umbria also has a lot of truffle products as mm-hmm. well. Okay. Some pasta. Mm-hmm. We've imported some of the uh, traditional pastas of Umbria. This mm-hmm. Tringotti, it's called, mm-hmm. and um, and but primarily it's olive oil, and uh, we have a lot of relationships with different wine producers there that we sell the wine. Is the
3: wine this. new um,
4: for you? About I mean, I know seven, the wine store is new. Almost eight years. Okay. Almost mm-hmm. eight years. That was see, uh, we're. Uh, five generations in the business. Each generation has given its own contribution to the uh-huh, business. Uh-huh. And the fifth generation, the has contribution... added one. <laughs> added one. Remember, Sam studied what in... What Piam- thinking? He studied in Piemonte. Okay? Piemonte is, oh, is right. such a... Uh. Yeah, um, big spot for Italian wine. Right, and Sam had a, developed a passion for mm-hmm. really good mm. wine and good knowledge on it. In fact, the school in Polenza has what they call banco di vino. If you go down into the uh, the cellar of wine, it's an amazing one chamber after another oh. of some of the great wines of Italy. Oh, because they're there.
3: studying them. Yeah, <laughs> storing, storing and studying. And studying. <laughs> storing and studying. Yes. Okay, it's time for our break. Uh, this is Diane Stemple talking to Lou DiPaolo on cutting the curd. We'll be right back. <music>
1: The Academy Opus Cassius is the cheese industry's unique center for professional development, offering both practical and classroom training for cheese professionals ready to move their careers to the next level. The Academy is the only professional cheese school integrating hands-on practice, formal instruction and curriculum-related visits in every course and attracts students from such diverse countries as Australia, Venezuela, Ukraine, Canada, Sweden, Kenya and India. Cheesemongering, cheesemaking, and affinage courses form the core curriculum. Sensory analysis training is practiced daily in every program. New in 2017, Ivan Larcher will be teaching Cheesemaking 201, a deep dive into specific cheesemaking technologies. This course will be held at Mons Classroom in Ambiere, France. February will focus on lactic set and tom. May will concentrate on soft, ripened, bloomy, and washed rind cheeses, And September will cover blues and semi-cooked styles. Space is limited and prerequisites apply. And a newsflash. Due to a cancellation, there is now one precious spot available for cheese in Paris, an insider's tour, February 27th to March 2nd. This is a jam-packed four days of backstage visits to cheesemongers and makers in and around Paris, exclusively for cheese professionals. Apply now. And don't forget, airfares to France are at their lowest point and the dollar is strong against the euro. For more information and to apply for this and other courses, visit our website at academymons.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E hyphen M-O-N-S dot com.
0: Hi,
3: Diane Stemple back again on Cutting the Curd with Lou DiPaolo. Uh, talking about Italian food, Italian things. I wanted to ask a few questions about Little Italy. Are you worried about Little Italy?
4: Diane, Little Italy is today the spirit of the Italian immigrant. Okay. And the spirit of Italian immigrant lives with families like mine. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people say, "Oh, what happened to this neighborhood? What happened to the Italians? What happened to Little Little Italy?" Mm-hmm. Well. Little Italy became part of mainstream America. Mm-hmm. Immigration laws change, and we are all immigrants. But the laws change over over years, and and uh, the Italians' immigration was basically the door was closed for Italian immigrants. Mm-hmm. Little Italy was always meant to be a, a stepping stone, a place right. to come. Come to America. When you first came, you came here. You settled in an area where they spoke your language. They you, they understood your customs. Mm-hmm. And then, as your children went to and school, and could buy your food. Buy your food. That's the last thing we lose in our culture. By uh-huh. the way, huh. is the foods we eat. Think, I think about you're it. Right. I we think we you're we, right. we change People... our language. We change our dress, but we always identify ourselves with our culture through the food that we eat. Right. And and uh, today. Italian food is American food because it's it's so part of the American culture whether you're here in New York City, Los Angeles or in the Midwest. And and Little Italy is a testament is one of the testaments in the United States of the Italian immigrant and what the contributions that they brought to Mm -hmm. the United States and many contributions the Italians have made as every ethnic group did Mm -hmm. but the Italians were building the water tunnels and bridges and the the Italians in arts and and in science in politics Mm -hmm. and of course one of the great contributions was food Mm -hmm. on my block Mm -hmm. Grand Street between Mott and mulberry. Yeah, there are four families that have been in four families that have been in business for over one hundred years. Really, now, so, that, and they're still there. And they're still there.
3: Not you're that, not the only
4: one. And that's the testament. <clears throat> that's the testament of the spirit yeah. of the Italian immigrant.
3: But did you? Did your family used to live around the corner? And did all those families used to live there? And does anyone live there now?
4: Well, strangely enough, <laughs> everybody's returning.
3: Oh everybody's returning. returning. Oh that's nice. Okay. Have you moved back?
4: I, I'm, I live very close in Little Italy. Oh okay. ha, when did you move back? Uh, um, quite a few few years a few years ago. Little okay. Italy is not just Little Italy anymore. It's a gentrified right, community. Right.
3: It's, a, it's it's right, very it's nice. fashionable
4: to be there. <laughs> I mean, uh, people say it's Chinatown. Chinatown, unfortunately, is going the way of, of, of Little Italy. It's uh-huh. shrinking now. Yeah. And why? Because real estate values have gone up so much that immigrants cannot afford right. to, to rent the apartments there. Mm-hmm. Condominiums are coming up.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Hotels are coming up. Fashionable stores and clothing stores and, and restaurants. And it, it's so much more than just... The Italian or right, the Chinese Right. What community. used to
3: be Soho has moved down to Chinatown and Mo- Little Italy. Move,
4: move, yes, moved east, mm-hmm. and and this and, and even further east, mm-hmm. the area is becoming so widely gentrified. Mm-hmm. But this is happening all through New York, right. New York City, and so it's become fashionable. I, mm-hmm. I'll never forget my nephew saying he got an apartment on Mulberry Street and he came and how excited he was. <clears throat> Uncle Lou, I got my. Apartment right here on Mulberry Street. I'm paying three thousand dollars a month rent. Isn't that wonderful? I said, uh, Joe, your your great grandfather is turning in his grave. He couldn't wait to get out of Mulberry Street, and he was paying eight dollars a month rent. You know, so so this is this is what's happened. right, right? And uh, it's just it's just a great part of mm-hmm. New York City's but history. But it must
3: be nice for you to live near the store. Yes and no. <laughs> Where did you live in between? In, in, in,
4: in, after World War Two, yeah, right after, right at the end of World War Two, or uh-huh. actually just before it ended, uh-huh. uh, my grandmother, because of the illness of my grandfather, moved to Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. Okay, and in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, she managed to get a, a house with some land, which started to become full of Italian right. s- that moved right. from Little Italian Italy
3: right
4: to to this area, right. and uh, uh, I know this for a fact. World War II was going on because my father is is mentioned in a in a book he was um, he was very fortunate to be to come back after World War two he was shot down <coughs> over over Yugoslavia during the war and mm-hmm. and during that period of time of hiding from the uh, Nazis mm-hmm. uh, he came across a fellow who was writing a book you know his uh, his uh, diary so to speak it, turned, it ended up being a book and they called my father the Brooklyn boy so my grandmother had just purchased the home uh-huh. at that at that point, so I grew up in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. Uh-huh. After getting married, I moved to Bay Ridge, mm-hmm. and I'm ending up back in uh, <laughs> where my, where my where it all where, began. Where my grandparents went up five flights of stairs, and uh-huh. uh, you know. And,
3: but I hope you have an elevator there. Well, I have no problem. <laughs> no problem. Okay. Okay. So so you're not worried about the gentrification. You just think this is part of what's going on and the stores will survive because the, people want to come and buy Italian food. In,
4: in part of part of the stories of, of my next book uh-huh. talks about this com- exact same thing what you're mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. about the transition and this, the survival of of a community uh-huh. going through uh, world wars, the depression era changing environment, changing community, changing ethnic groups. Mm-hmm. And and how and why did some people survive and stay and, and 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 not look to the past but look to the future how you can maintain tradition mm-hmm. in a new in a new uh, Environment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so I'm not worried about becoming of gentrification. I'm not worried about that mm-hmm. uh, because uh, we've we've become. Well, a you're, desi- embracing, your you're
3: we, we, embracing your roots. Right, you're embracing yeah. your roots. You're not you're not uh, when, shunning them.
4: When the area turned mostly Asian, we were the last Italian store on our block. We were uh-huh. on the northeast corner of Martin Grand Street, uh-huh. and uh, what it, what was left of Little Italy was Mulberry Street, a whole block away. Uh-huh. uh I said to my brother and my sister. When my father took early he couldn't work anymore he said will either close the store or, or if you want it I said let's I, I said to my brother and sister let's not look forward let's look back let's do everything the way our grandparents did it let's make De Palos not a eyesore nice in a changing community but a shining jewel and we focused in on that and we were accepted now, when
3: was that
4: this was about in 1990 wow. And, wow and and we by doing this, by saying this, mm-hmm. we became more in focus, mm-hmm. and and people would come around. In fact, Martin Scorsese and uh, we uh, we did it. I was part of a documentary he did during nine eleven, and and I had said to him, "Why wouldn't people have asked me why would I open an Italian store in a Chinese neighborhood?" <laughs> and and the point is, the point is that we were here. This was our home, mm-hmm. and and we had. Roots here, mm-hmm. and we were able to maintain them. And we were embraced and welcomed mm-hmm. by the new community. Right. If I tell you stories that how the, the Chinese uh, people have uh, accepted the Palos as their store as mm-hmm. well, Ooh. even though it was contrary to their culture to eat cheese. Right. There were certain items in mm-hmm. my place that was uh, something that they sought after. Mm-hmm. And today, you come into my place and see how many. Second and third generation customers, Chinese, mm-hmm. that come in. So I'm not worried about the gentrification. Mm-hmm. We're a destination store as well. Mm-hmm. People travel to us. Mm-hmm.
3: What places in Little Italy do you either frequent restaurants or recommend now?
4: Well, you know, uh, that's a touchy subject.
0: And <laughs> You're the not allowed why, to recommend Well, things.
4: no, not a question of recommending. There's so many I would recommend. Oh, okay. And uh, it depends on what type of Italian food you are looking for. If you're uh-huh. looking for the Italian-American immigrant food, that's the typical red sauce. Mm-hmm. Spaghetti and meatballs, which doesn't exist in Italy. We know that. Mm-hmm. But spaghetti and meatballs, eggplant parmigiano, shrimp parmigiano, which you, traditionally you <laughs> never put cheese on top of fish. Right. Right, with very rare exceptions. So I would recommend certain restaurants. hmm if you want to get, a, if you want to go to a restaurant, something that's going to be very rustic and very s- typical of what you'll find in certain areas of Italy, mm-hmm. I would recommend another one. Mm-hmm. So some of the Mulberry Street restaurants that are wonderful, that is restaurants such as uh, uh, family-run Lunella and Danico and and Il Cortile. These are restaurants that you'll go there and um, and you will enjoy a, a family atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Pellegrinos. These are Restaurants that will give a, a family atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to go and have something rustic and you want to have those typical dishes you'll find in the coastal areas of, mm-hmm. of uh, Puglia, mm-hmm. uh, you might want to go to a restaurant like Peasant, mm-hmm. which is, I consider it Little Italy, but now it's considered Nolita, north <laughs> of Little Italy. Something for real estate people right, to right, invent a name right, right. to increase the rentals.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right they keep changing the names in Brooklyn too you can you can I know. barely keep I know. Track. This,
4: this is this is uh, not Bushwick anymore it's East Williamsburg. Oh, right, right
3: right right um, so what are since we're since we're on a cheese show, what are your five top cheese sellers in the store from Italy?
4: Okay, from Italy, uh, I would say, Definitely number one the Grana cheeses, uh-huh. Grana cheeses such as Parmigiano Reggiano mm-hmm. and Grana Padano. Mm-hmm. These are cheeses that uh, have stood the test of time over mm-hmm. a thousand years of production. If you asked me the same question 25 years ago, I would have said Provolone. Oh, provolone, okay. the right. national cheese of Italy, is right. a, is typical from from the south. Most of it's made in the north. Has I don't want to say has the stronger flavor, the stronger, very picante, I very sharp. I remember that from
3: my childhood. Okay, my aunt, that was
4: it. Yeah, that was almost on everyone's plate. Mm-hmm. But today, today, what's selling really well is is the grana cheeses, mm-hmm. grana padano, mm-hmm. parmigiano reggiano, pecorino. Mm-hmm. We have over oh, scores and scores of varieties of pecorino cheese. Mm-hmm. That's pecora means sheep in right. Italian. And so from pecorino, all over, right? From all, right. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, pecorino cheese is made from Romagna. Emilia mm-hmm. Romagna, mm-hmm. but the Romagna side mm-hmm. down to the south, mm-hmm. Sardinia, Sicily, mm-hmm. Calabria, the. But we have many varieties, and 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 the diversity of pecorino cheese is so. It, people see pecorino; it's just pecorino romano. No.
3: that's just one of many.
4: <laughs> so the pecorino family of cheeses are very very popular today, mm-hmm. and now um, some of the mountain cheeses. Uh uh-huh. The. Ten, you, people of the United States are discovering the wonderful cheeses that come from the mountains of Italy. Mm-hmm. The mountains of Trentino and Alto Adige, where the mm-hmm. cows are free grazing, eating the fresh herbs, those the unique cows, the Razza Rendena or the mm-hmm. Bruna Alpina or the Grigio Alpina. These are cows that live on the mountains and, and what's special is when you get the Alpeggio. In the mm-hmm. French will say mm-hmm. Alpage, but right. we say Alpeggio. Right. Uh-huh. Alpeggio is when the cows are Free grazing in the summertime mm-hmm. in the higher altitude mountains, the air is very crisp, and the cheese picks up a flavor like like you can' not imagine
3: mm-hmm. those are the cheeses that vary over the course of a year
4: that's right mm-hmm. and uh, and we like we like to get always the alpeggio cheeses right. because right. we feel that that's going to give you the most assertive flavors mm-hmm. so when I, when I say the most biggest sellers, I'm giving you classifications right. of cheeses. Right, like but that's okay. <laughs> and, and that's real, because there's such... Can you some, name
3: one or two of those mountain cheeses yes, just so
4: that yes. the, the people one, can find the it? The one that's probably the largest produced, and I talk about it in my book, mm-hmm. is, your, uh, is the cheese called Piave. Ah. Piave, named after the river, the Piave River, mm-hmm. a historical river of, of Italy, uh, terrible battle was fought there during that um, First World War mm-hmm. and actually changed the course of mm-hmm. the war. Now, and,
3: I love Piave, but yes. isn't that a somewhat commercial well, place? I, I
4: talk about it in my book. What was the, the biggest disappointment and the biggest enlightenment that I've ever received in the food business, in the cheese business? Was when you I, went I, there? When I went to visit the the Piave factory. Uh-huh. It was the most and it automated was a factory. It was the most automated factory I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Every 12 seconds a, a wheel of Piave is stamped mm-hmm. out.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: But what makes this cheese so special? It's
3: still great.
4: What makes it special <laughs> is the milk. Uh-huh. Is the cows, mm-hmm. those free grazing cows. They've mastered the art of of uh, of technology mm-hmm. with historical Cheese mm-hmm. making, mm-hmm. putting them two together—that was the enlightenment. Right. How they did that. So, and so, maybe
3: that format doesn't suffer from technology either. You know, the larger wheel, or you know, you don't have to take as much care of the large But they wheels. do. They
4: but, do. They, okay. they do. But it's all automated. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> a robot so does everything. Have to
3: rub it with your hands. Uh, uh,
4: right. It's all done. It's unbelievable how it's done. Mm-hmm. Right now, uh, am I? A, a, I, I'm looking for the little old cheesemaker. Right, 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 right. That's me, you know? But I, I mentioned that cheese specifically for that reason. Uh-huh. It's, it was in line, but there's so many wonderful artisan cheeses that mm-hmm. are up in the mountains That that we get, and and what makes some cheeses special. I have one friend, who 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 produces cheese on a small scale, primarily goat cheeses Mm -hmm. from free grazing goats. Mm -hmm. I visited the goats; they live in the. You'd be jealous to see where they live, and it's surrounded (laughs) by the Dolomite mountains, (laughs) the most beautiful mountain ranges. And and these are free grazing goats, and Mm -hmm. he makes the cheese Mm -hmm. in a somewhat uh, uh, artisanal way. Right, and and he is sort of like half. Uh, he's a cheesemaker, but he's also what I call an affinatura, mm-hmm. a finisher. Uh-huh. And what he does is he'll take that goat cheese and, and wrap it in walnut uh, leaves. Mm-hmm. The aroma and the flavor never smells like the barn. Smells wonderful. The flavor is clean. Mm-hmm. And um, that that's, um, uh, we call it uh, cachotone de noche. Mm-hmm. It's uh, mm-hmm. a... a it's, uh,
3: I think I've had that. It's,
4: it's just a wonderful, wonderful cheese mm-hmm. because it, it picks up the that flavor of the leaf, but at the same time has the clean goat flavor. Mm-hmm. So th- this is what's happening. And now also, and finally, for the other cheeses that are selling really well, it seems that Italian cheeses have learned a lot from the French culture mm-hmm. of these soft, ripened cheeses. But not only made with cow's milk, made with buffalo milk, mm-hmm. made with goat's milk, mm-hmm. and how they will have the same penicillin rind on it, and, but yet runny, creamy, mm-hmm. and uh, cheeses that are made with mixed milk, sheep and, and um, cow's milk, mm-hmm. goat's milk, Mm-hmm. cow and sheep mm-hmm. these are all becoming really popular but if you ask me my favorite cheese
3: yes okay i'm asking
4: right it's <laughs> the most wonderful molto cremoso gorgonzola dolce ah, okay. i love gorgonzola <laughs> when it's made right uh-huh it's never bitter and the dolce i like picante too okay. but the dolce mm-hmm. is the traditional the blue stracchino, uh-huh. the stracchino cheese that's that cheese that's made from kind of active milk, mm-hmm. the original type of probiotic mm-hmm. food, uh-huh. you know, and that cheese with the, with the blue vein in it, mm-hmm. penicillin blue vein, but on a very liquid basis, mm-hmm. spread it on a pear mm-hmm. or an apple, it's to die for.
3: Well, on that wonderful note, now I'm starving. I have to go eat some cheese. On that wonderful note, I'll say goodbye to Lou DiPaolo. Thank you so much for coming on the show again.
4: Absolutely. My pleasure.
3: It's been Cutting the Curd, Diane Stemple on Heritage Radio Network. You can catch us on Stitcher or iTunes. And please join the radio station, heritageradio.network.org. We'd love to have you. Bye.